The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. And, John, before we got going today, you you told me I've, I've got the off-season hair going. And <laughs> there's this is a situation. I mean, it is too long. And I guess you're going to be taking care of it, what, in, in about an hour's time? Yeah, right. Well, I've got the Creed Humphrey look going on right now. Right. So it's bad. It's bad. Well, we are, are entering a, a holiday weekend. i got to take care of this, too, before we get to week one. Who? 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 pushed forward all this time i mean it, it is crazy that we are within one week this time next week it will be a game week monday with andy reed at the podium we will be a full go that wednesday we'll launch the arrowhead drive right here on the arrowhead pride podcast network where did the time go but i i know there's a lot of fans excited in kansas city let yeah. me just note something about fans right now in kc i feel like in previous years, there was certainly an excitement, and I'm, I'm talking about from the Super Bowl forward, winning the mm-hmm. Super Bowl, but I, I think there is even an added hunger to get back there, I think, after how last year went. I just sense fans can't wait for week one this year, maybe even in the last three years, I'd say. I, I could just sense that fans are maybe more excited this year just because it's been now a few years since the Chiefs were able to lift the Lombardi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think so. And I, I think part of that also comes from uh, a lot of the moves the team made in the offseason, which right. seemed to I, be focused on what uh, fans wanted, uh-huh. uh, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. We get into our marinated takeaways. Once again, a preview. Right, that's right. In, in a lot of ways, it's a new team. And I, I think that's a good point by you, too, especially offensively and with some of the young defensive faces. All right. Great show for you ahead. We have a lot to get to. So I got to stop, stop running my mouth to an extent. We will go through <laughs> the news. Uh, we will provide our training camp preseason marinated takeaways. So that's looking at the whole training camp, the whole preseason. Steve Serta behind the glass will join us for that. And then Segment three, because the cut is tomorrow, a little 53-man preview. I will go over my projection. It's, it's not going to be right. I think we'll go to some positions where you know, they may bring someone from the outside in, so it's hard mm-hmm. for us to really even right. tell who will be available, but we will take our best guess at the 53 in today's final segment. But first, if you leave a review on the Outhead Pride Podcast Network on Apple iTunes, we will read it right here. And here we go. We have a couple today. We're going to go a little bit faster just because we do have a lot to get to. We only have an hour to do it. So here we go. From Benny Boy. How did it happen three times? I'd like to pose a question on a topic not specific to camp or the upcoming season and get some insight to it. How is it that Andy Reid has blown three different 18-plus point leads in three different playoff games? I'm not aware of any other coaches having done so, and it's kind of mind-boggling to me. This is in no advocation for moving on from Andy, but how has that happened? Has there been any hypothesis or elaboration as to how this happened in three of the nine seasons he's coached the Chiefs? I referenced the Indy, Tennessee, and Cincy heartbreak losses. He'd also like to add the following disclaimer. I believe that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are the best coach QB combo in football and don't want to see that change for 15 years. Well, I think the general answer to the question is sometimes there's a feel, and and this is one of the, the criticisms of Andy Reid, especially before he won the Super Bowl, 
that once he has a lead, he he takes the gas off a little bit and, and gets a little bit more conservative. But I've noticed in recent years that the Chiefs never take the, the gas off. I find them sometimes having Patrick Mahomes in in the fourth quarter, even in regular seasons games where I'm like, am I, am I looking at the scoreboard right? I'm pretty sure that's that's a 17-point <laughs> lead with five minutes to go. Why is Patrick Mahomes out there? Uh, John, so I, I think over the years, Andy has learned his lesson. For as great a coach he is, he does have these soul-crushing playoff losses, and, and that's part of his history you, you can't ignore completely. Well, you can't ignore it completely, but I think it's possible to overstate it. And to your point, Pete, I was interested to to watch a video, one of the many videos of Len Dawson that have been posted on the internet in recent days, and he was talking about Hank Stram uh, taking him out of right. Super Bowl four when there was a minute and a half left. And that's just not something that we see Andy Reid do. So I agree with your point there that, uh, it, it, you know, taking his foot off the gas, which I think is a narrative that got started on a little bit and became much bigger than it really is, mm. um, is, is a little bit overstated. I would just say that, you know, this comes with being in the playoffs a lot. Right. And Andy Reid has been in the playoffs a lot over a very long career. And, um, you know, I did an analysis of this uh, a couple of years ago. There's there's also been a playoff game where Andy Reid erased a lead that big. But nobody right. talks about that. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think you just have to, you know, take it with the appropriate grain of salt. It is something to, cons to be concerned about, but it's it's not the definition of Andy Reid. I think it would be had he not won a Super Bowl, but right. because yeah, now he sure. has the title, you know, I, if, if you take the title away, I think a lot of people would remember that indie game specifically mm -hmm. and, and you know, Alex Smith's last game was against the Titans. But remember Travis Kelsey had to be injured in, in that game. This one was, was tough because you've, you've never seen Patrick Mahomes play that bad. And right. I mean, it was his worst half of football on the second to grandest stage of them all. And it's things happen. Right. And I think that's a good point by you not to make excuses, but you're playing the best teams in right. the playoffs. Oh, and so yeah. you're playing teams yeah. capable of doing that. And when you're in the playoffs so much, look, comebacks uh, are, are going to happen. And every, you know, everyone commends Bill Belichick for all the Super Bowls, Tom Brady, you know, they had played a couple of Super Bowls that they didn't win against New York giants and the one against the Philadelphia Eagles. And so, yeah. And perspective matters. I guarantee you right. that in Indianapolis, nobody thinks about that game in 23rd than 2013 playoffs as the chiefs defense melting down. It's Andrew right. Luck playing brilliantly <laughs> right, and, and getting them back in there. Okay. Let's continue with reviews very quickly here from Kansas Jake. This podcast about the chiefs is great. Short and simple. I like that review. From nice. Jay Herlig, easily the best. Clearly the cream of the crop of KC Chiefs pods. Love the variety of voices overall. Their audio is better than many other shows, although there are a few exceptions. Good stuff. A little bit backhanded compliment on our guy Steve there. I mean, I don't know. if he Does he like the audio or does he not? <laughs> Who knows? Um, tell Rocky something. It's kind of cut off here from Boulder Co. Chief fan. My brother and I grew up in St. Joe, but I'm now a Chiefs fan living in Bronco land. While my brother has to root for the Chiefs living in Raider territory. We listen to the Arrowhead Pride podcast and then catch up uh, with each other on the favorite bits you all do. Love the editor show, especially marinated takes. We got some coming at you next segment. The Brits are my favorite, while my brother prefers Pete's excellent sleuthing and John's steady wisdom. The, uh, the all-wise John Dixon, that's what I call him, behind his back. <laughs> Just one break to read aloud. We need all our receivers to be excellent, but Rocky keeps telling us that Sky Moore or Justin Watson will soon be taking McCole Hardman's job. Can't we just say so-and-so had a good day and be happy for them? I love all the podcasts that AP provides, and most importantly, I trust all of you, not just a few of you, to deliver such excellent content. So, Steve, let's make sure that Rocky gets this gripe. I, I, you know, obviously, Rocky is not a Hardman guy, and uh, that needs to be addressed the next time he appears on a podcast, Steve. So let's make sure he yeah. gets that note. And then finally, AP Review. All the shows are really good and do a fantastic job of covering the kingdom. Keep up the great work. Again, if you leave a review, we will read it here, right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. John, let's get to the news, and, and you right. alluded to it. We start with some sad news. Len Dawson ended up passing this week. We had heard, I believe it was two weeks ago, that he was being moved to hospice care, and, and that usually... Uh, means the inevitable. I thought the Chiefs did a nice job in their final preseason game at Arrowhead Stadium doing right by Len. And I, I think having the number 15 or the number 16 decal is 
a really nice touch. It's well designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be on their helmet all season. And then very clearly Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey were not intended to play in this final preseason game. And, and I think that's a credit to how great the offense has looked in these first two preseason games, but they suit up and they go out and do the choir huddle tribute for, for Len Dawson. And I mean, there's something to it. You, you look at these photos that Steve Sanders and the Chiefs took side by side, and uh, you got a little bit of, of the chills going, I think. I, I think it just mm-hmm. was a really special moment and uh, really, I think, speaks to both Mahomes and Kelsey that they weren't going to play, yet this was so important. They, were, they went out on the field, and then I, I think a, a kudos to what was the Green Bay Packers for, of course, declining the penalty. Good job by the ref to call delay of game on number 16. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned it for him at, at Arrowhead Stadium. And I, I think if you're going to do something, uh, the Chiefs got it right. And it, and it seems they will get it right throughout the 2022 NFL season to honor Len Dawson, the legacy that meant to Kansas City. You know, a couple of things I noticed in the, the official game book, the official record of everything that happened in the game that the NFL publishes. Um, they have Mahomes and Kelsey listed among the starters for the game. So there's a couple of, of you know, younger reserve players who didn't get a chance to start in their places in this final preseason game, which is a bad thing for them, but they get credit for starting. And then on the list of snap counts, their names are there, but no snap count. <laughs> Neither one right. of them have a snap. And I, 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 yeah, you, you rarely see that where a starting player doesn't have a, a snap in a game. And I also think that we ought to point out, um, something that is demonstrated by how this all went down. And one of those things is that head coaches meet with officials before the game Mm -hmm. and tell them about things that they're planning to do in the game. Sometimes they tell uh, the officials things they've noticed the other thing that the other team does that the officials may not want to watch out for, et cetera. And Andy Reid told Craig Rolstad, the the referee for this game, that they were planning to do this. And he told the Green Bay head coach that that they were planning to do it. And the Green Bay head coach offered uh, to decline the penalty. And it was Craig Rolstad's idea, his little contribution to this thing, to to call the penalty on number 16. So it's an interesting example of uh, what can take place because there's this interaction between head coaches and officials before the game that, that might, it might have played a lot differently otherwise. And I think the rules were more lax just because it's a preseason game. Sure. I don't know if they yeah. necessarily could have called the penalty on 16 in a regular yeah. season game. I think right. they would have to you know do something else, but I, I just thought it was a special moment and, and certainly mm-hmm. for the people in the stands. And I think even watching the game at home, it, it, it's something that's very memorable, right? We'll, we'll remember Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey doing that for, for a long time. And I think yeah. that's the point of it. it. It was that special, by the way, there is a memorial service will be held at 11 AM on Friday, September 16th at the country club Christian church, which is located at six one Oh one ward parkway in Kansas city. And so we have some more information on the, the website, arrowheadpride.com about the donations to be made in his name to the university of Kansas medical centers, nursing scholarship program. So if you want to honor Len in your own way, you know, I, I assume a lot of fans will donate $16, which uh, it, it seems like this is something where they'll take any kind of donation and, and to remember him. If you want to do that again, more information at arrowheadpride.com. All right. We are getting to some more news involving the Chiefs. We're waiting for this 53-man roster deadline, and that takes place Tuesday at 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. I'll reiterate what I said about the uh, announcement there. We will have all the information surrounding the roster cut uh, tomorrow at the website. Just go to arrowheadpride.com, and we, I believe, will be doing some kind of an emergency podcast to discuss some of these cuts. The Chiefs released five players ahead of the roster deadline. And they were Roderick Johnson, quarterback Dustin Crum, running back Tyon Fleet Davis, wide receiver Aaron Parker, and linebacker Mike Rose. So as it stands right now, as we're recording 325 on Monday, Chiefs roster is at 75. The one surprise, I, I think, in this list, and it's not a great surprise just because we projected it. Again, we'll get to that in segment three. But Roderick Johnson, 
And I think it's only because throughout the entire offseason and even the beginning of training camp, he was filling in for Orlando Brown Jr. And right at Orlando Brown Jr., who was floating out that he was going to skip week one, had he just continued to hold out, I, I wonder if Roderick Johnson's on the team. And, and it, it's a weird little, I think, quirky thing that because Brown is back, they decided, all right, well, we don't need Roderick Johnson there. And he really fell from grace as the month in training camp went on and, and now no longer with the club. Well, what I think it means is that all along, uh, the team was targeting Jaron Christian to be the right. swing tackle. Um, and Roderick Johnson, a, a player with more experience, more starting experience as a tackle in the NFL, was the guy that they were going to lean on if they had to, if right. Orlando Brown Jr. had not been available. And it's funny because we saw that while it was going on as, oh, Roderick Johnson must be the top tackle. If Brown comes back, then he'll be the swing tackle. No, the Chiefs didn't want to put a guy with that much mm -hmm. experience in there as the swing tackle, they would be, it would be the wrong guy for the job. They want somebody right. who they can put all over the place on the line. And they saw Christian as the guy to do that job. And they thought that all along, I think. Yeah. And there was experience there. So it wasn't really throwing Christian into the fire right away and putting right, it on his right. shoulders. But I, I think you're yeah. right. I think Christian's performance during training camp made uh, Roderick Johnson, someone that they didn't necessarily need anymore and mm -hmm. it speaks to what the job christian did and and it, it stinks for for roderick because i you know i don't i don't know if they'd even keep him on the practice squad this one feels like he'll tr go find work elsewhere as a immediate backup as opposed to being on the chiefs where he wouldn't have been that and potent potentially that's when what in went into the early release as well like let's well, let and if know it turns that out available. that he doesn't yeah and if it turns out he doesn't get a job uh sometime in the next few weeks uh, mm -hmm. you know, he'll be somebody who's already understands the playbook that they could bring in in case there's an injury. So, you know, uh, of course we always hope that a player will find a job, but if he doesn't, he could end up back with the chiefs. I have this quick update. It's not in the rundown, John, but I just want to mention, so this is another piece of news. I was just out of practice. It was hot by the way, very hot, yeah. a lot of lower back sweat, but I was able to write down. <laughs> That Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez Valdez-Scantling returned. Defensive end Carlos Dunlap, he was dealing with Achilles inflammation. He returned. Cornerback Rashad Fenton was also working, as was Trent McDuffie. I actually was able to record a video of Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not moving 100%. You can go look for yourself if you'd like. We got, we got it up on the website, and you can go to my Twitter, twitter.com slash bgsween. We didn't see Matt Bushman. We didn't see Blake Bell. We didn't see Dion Bush, the safety. We didn't see, or we did see defensive end Malik Herring and Bush. They were there, but they were not with a helmet. So they were just mm -hmm. watching. Blake Herring had an oblique injury stemming from the game. And then we didn't know why Frank Clark or linebacker Leo Chanel were not at practice. They were not seen during the Monday look. We'll talk to Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. But uh, again, although Juju didn't necessarily look back to 100%. I think it was good to see both him and MVS mm -hmm. at camp and also Trent yeah. McDuffie. You never know with these concussions. So the fact that right. MVS and McDuffie are, are through the concussion protocol is a good thing. Yeah, I, I was very pleased to see uh, both of those wideouts back on the field. That's a, that's a big piece of what the Chiefs are doing offensively, and I think we'd all like to see it right from the beginning of the season. Uh, just to see if it's, you know, going to, it's going to work the way they intend, you know, they mm -hmm. intended to have these veterans to lead the, the receiving core. We've had good returns on all these young players that they've brought and new players. They're not all young players, but, uh, and, and so I, I think they'd have been okay without them, but I think we all wanted to see, uh, these hyphenated receivers in, in the mix as the season mm -hmm. begins. That's right. The the new receiving core. And if you don't have a hyphen, you can get the hell out. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> uh, speaking of someone who may be doing that, uh, Rojo, Ronald Jones, was named as a player to watch from NFL Network mm -hmm. as yeah. teams get ready to release players or trade them at the, the deadline. This seemed like a floating of the name Rojo, Ronald Jones, to Ian Rappaport to start to get his name out there. If there's another team that needs a running back, you know, one that came up, and, and this is a wild story out of Washington, is their rookie that was really mm -hmm. projected to be their week one starter, Brian Robinson, was involved in a shooting. It was non-threatening life injuries. It seems like the surgery went successful, but he is now sidelined. So now you have a need there, right, 
obviously the more serious than football he's okay but like they that's an example of a team that suddenly mm-hmm. has a need of running back we don't know right. what's happening in other teams cities where maybe there's a running back injury at practice so rojo is a guy that has had success in the nfl he has over a thousand yards in one of his seasons and he could be a player that we, we are pretty sure is not making the Kansas City chiefs but maybe he lands with another team and maybe it's one of these conditional picks like the chiefs traded for mm. uh what was lonnie johnson before it didn't work out and the way that works is maybe the Chiefs get a fifth or sixth rounder somewhere in that range if Rojo plays a certain number of snaps for a team, a certain number of weeks or starts or whatever like that. Maybe it's a, a seventh round pick outright. That seems to, to be in the yeah. realm of, of, of what a trade could be. But I don't think I don't think Ronald Jones is on this Ian Rappaport NFL now hit if the Chiefs are not calling a lot of folks and being like, you know, can, could you use a veteran running back? No, I agree. I mean, this is part of what those guys do for a living is transmitting those ideas out into the, into the ether. So other coaches will hear them. That's part of the reason that these guys have these sources is to put that information out there. I, I've often wondered what it would be like to, you know, be the guy that <laughs> gets to yeah. put that information out and if it would feel weird well, to be used in that way, it's, but it's, it's the way the game is played. So this is a little bit inside football, but, it's been a bad year in that sense for ESPN's Adam Schefter. There's been a yes. lot of controversial stories. Knock on wood, John, for once. They haven't been in Kansas City, thank goodness. Right. Right. But instead of taking what is information from, quite obviously, a text and deciphering it and making a formu- you know, formulating his own opinion and then putting the news out, there's been a, obviously a couple moments of, of copy-paste that it has gotten these guys in trouble. So, you know mostly a lot of the information comes from the agent. And if you're ever really, well, where's this coming from? Well, usually the answer to that question is, well, who does it benefit the most? Mm-hmm. Right. And right. so it seems like the chiefs are floating out Ronald Jones name to drum up interest and maybe get one of those day three picks. And why not? You have seen what Brett Beach can do with day three picks. So mm-hmm. the more darts you have, the better, especially if Ronald Jones is going to be a player that is not making your roster. And it could also be the agent that's putting that out there, right. hoping to drum up some interest. To, so he'll get someplace where he can play could be, because right. it sure doesn't look like he's going to get a lot of snaps in Kansas City, the way things look right now. The Chiefs agree to an amended contract for Juju Smith-Schuster that increases his per game roster bonus from 30000 to 60000 So he can earn an extra 510000 in per game bonuses this year. Nice, Nicely done by the Chiefs. That's It seems like a morale move in a way and and i think they realized how important juju was during training camp you, you could really tell after travis kelsey this is going to be patrick mahomes's number one receiver so uh, a a doubling of his roster game bonus john yeah that was it was portrayed that way uh when it was re- when that report came out that the chiefs were doing right by by uh, smith schuster and and maybe that's exactly what it was i've been i've been wondering about it though uh trying to figure out what the purpose of this was. Yeah. I wonder if I'd have to go back and research it, but one of the things that struck me is that maybe they were really tight up against what they could do on his contract. And so they were just trying to find any way they could to shave, you know, half a million there, half a million here, half a million there. Pretty soon you're talking about some real money as the, as the, as the expression would go. Mm -hmm. And maybe they, feel comfortable with where they're at in the cap right now. And they had a handshake deal. You know, we can get this figured out to where we've got 5 million Mm -hmm. in cap space. We'll go ahead and give you what it was that you wanted um, for the, for those figures. The nice thing about it, however, uh, is because Smith Schuster only played in five games for the Steelers that last year, most of this money uh, will come off. If it's earned, will come off the 2023 cap because anything over Right. Uh, five games will be not likely to be earned under salary cap rules. So, um, you know, whatever the reason they had for doing it, it didn't cost them much uh, for 2022, just $150,000. I did, I did see a couple of those takes come through from fans commenting on Twitter and saying, well, why do this? You know, <laughs> like, right. Let's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's keep as much money as possible. But just like the, the Travis Kelsey deal, you want the people in your building to feel wanted and, and happy, especially when they're as important as Kelsey and Juju is going to be. And so sometimes those little things make, make sense in, in my opinion. 
Well, I tend to, I I tend to believe the reporting on the contract restructuring and, and what they said on, on Kelsey's deal was that it all came uh, to him as a, as a, um, as a uh, just additional salary this year. And it's possible that they could have done all of that as a signing bonus this year and actually saved money on the cap. I believe I had a conversation with you about that when it happened, that I was anxious to see how those details looked when they came out. And it doesn't look like it was structured that way, but it may be that, you know, people are just guessing about the structure and the chiefs Mm -hmm. actually uh, did themselves a favor while giving uh, Kelsey a nice little bonus for this year. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Again, we don't know. So maybe it was a little yeah. bit of goodwill. Maybe it was a little, let's make some room for ourselves too, if we need to. Uh, well, and why not both? Yeah. If you can accomplish both, I think that's the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, last piece of news. It's ranking season. So the NFL Top 100 culminated with the final 20 players on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes, number eight. Travis Kelsey, number 10. Chris Jones, number 39. So this is voted on by by the players, it seems like, in the NFL. and this is this was years ago and I'm, I'm not exactly sure of how it goes anymore but it was players getting handed a sheet of paper in a locker room and if they wanted to, mm-hmm. to do it they could man there's got to be a better way to do this this is 2022 right like right the yeah. nfl come up with a system like does the nfl <laughs> have enough money to come up with a system where players can safely log in and vote on this after the season if they'd like to right and like at least try to get between 100 and 500 players if you can or you know somewhere in that realm to like make sure that because i just feel like whatever system is they're using it it's broken patrick mahomes should not be number eight right i he just shouldn't be and travis kelsey should even be higher chris jones if you want to say number 39 that feels a little bit closer but espn who it seems like is more organized in this process and this one is experts as opposed to or you know, quote-unquote experts, whoever ESPN deems is the experts, uh, opposed to players on a sheet of paper. But Mahomes was number one, <laughs> Kelsey number 17, Jones number 40, Creed Humphrey number 68, and Joe Tooney number 86. That feels right. Right. Or more right. right than the NFL mm-hmm. Top 100. So maybe someone, an executive in the NFL, could get on the phone with someone from ESPN and say, how are you, how are you doing? So you, you guys seem to like you're getting it right. But... Well, they did eventually get rid of the waiver wire, which was actually a teletype at one time and right. improved it with modern technology. Surely they could do something to make this and go a little new, bit better. The new game pass should supposedly be better. Like the idea that the NFL put out this all 22 film and half the time it, it would freeze and yeah. even more than half the time and drive our film reviewers here mad and you can't even really look up a play quick that they finally improved that. So you would think it's a certain point that would come up with a better system for the NFL top 100. I, I think it's what I said. I think it's having players log onto a computer and being able to vote or an app, right? Get, mm-hmm. get a player's app, a player's association app where they can go do this if they want. Anyway, I'm going to get off my technology soapbox, but uh, it seems like ESPN <laughs> got it right. And the NFL, it still needs some work with its process. But that's the news of the Kansas City Chiefs. We're looking forward to 3 p.m. Arrowhead time on Tuesday as we find out the initial Chiefs 53-man roster. Stay with us. Steve's going to join us next for training camp and preseason marinated takeaways. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Well, I'm going to let this marinate. You know, let that one marinate, and then we can circle back. Adapt. React. Readapt. Takes time. It takes years. (laughs) That's the takeaway. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show, we are getting ready for the 53-man roster deadline. Tuesday, 3 p.m. Keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com. We will have the initial roster and then we will have an emergency podcast and we get access to general manager Brett Beach on Wednesday. So some great content coming with the, the roster deadline. But before we get to that, it's training camp and the preseason and they're over. And so let's get some month long marinated takeaways. And John, as we do always, we'll start with you. And I appreciate that so that I can get in one that I'm sure you guys would mention as well. So thanks for that. Once again, um, you know, we went into this uh, preseason 
focused on the Chiefs offense. It's all anybody was talking about. Tyreek Hill is gone. What are the Chiefs going to do? But to me, the biggest story of the preseason was the performance of the defense. Um, you know, the first string defense uh, looked, frankly, dominating. And in each one of these games, um, they never gave up more than uh, 20 points. Um, and that's a pretty good performance for an NFL defense. And so, uh, you know, yeah, some of it was against depth players, but it's depth players against depth players. So, you know, on that basis, the defense uh, put in a pretty good scorecard during the preseason. I was very encouraged to see that all these moves uh, acquiring these young players uh, in the draft seems to be paying off so well. I, I thought that was one of the big things that we, we saw in the preseason. I think more so than other years, just going from training camp every day, the fact that the defense clearly won some days is not something that was necessarily happening in right. previous years. And you mm-hmm. could look at that both ways and, and be like, well, maybe the offense isn't as good. I don't think it was that. I think the defense yeah. was just competitive. I really I really do. And, and that's such a good thing. And again, knock on all the wood here, but it does seem like maybe the Chiefs can avoid what is has become their typical defensive slow start for the first five weeks of the season. Like maybe, maybe finally week one, they're going to look good, even though they do have a lot of new faces there. Uh, Steve, let's go to your first marinated takeaway. I'm really excited about the defense. They look so fast. Um, they they just yeah, look explosive. Yeah, they do. It's my first one. It has to do with the defense too. And I just feel like, we didn't talk about it enough, and I brought it up on the Rapid Reaction show with Show and BK, and they were totally dismissive about it and acted like it wasn't a big deal at all. <laughs> but George Karloftis getting the start in this game opposite of Frank Clark, I think, is a really big deal that I feel like just got overlooked by everybody because they're just like, well, he should get the start. Why Why wouldn't he? Well, I mean, it's a pretty big deal for the Chiefs to commit to put to starting a rookie opposite of Frank Clark, I think, to start the season. And, you know, maybe they haven't committed to it just yet, but I think it made a statement that he started over Mike Dana, who they also really like. And Mm -hmm. we know that the ceiling of George Karloftis is just much higher than the ceiling of Mike Dana. Like we all know that already. And so for him to get the start in the final preseason game in a game that doesn't really matter, and I don't think there's that much to learn from it. I think that's something that we learned that we have totally under discussed so far. I, I had one of these points too, and I'll, I'll alter mine a little bit just so I'm a little bit different here. But I, I think George Karloftis being in the mix for defensive rookie of the year is reality because a lot of times these guys, if they get three sacks as a rookie defensive end, I mean, that's, that's pretty good, right? A lot of times mm-hmm. oh, without, yeah. seeing, without seeing the rookie at all, you would take that. And I, I feel like we watched the preseason, and now we know it's 17 games. Can't we just assume Carl Loftus is going to have three? And if we can assume that, can't he just as easily have six? Mm-hmm. And if he can get to six, can't he get to ten? And if he has ten sacks, could he win defensive rookie of the year? Right? Like it, <laughs> it seemed when he was taken the number 30 overall that that seemed impossible. And yeah. it yeah. seems yeah. possible now. I'm not saying that is going to happen, but I think that is a huge deal especially given the fact that Melvin Ingram went to the Dolphins and Carlos Dunlap has now had this weird Achilles soreness, sensitive Achilles doesn't sound like a good injury to have two weeks before the season, (laughs) but who am I? And so for Karloftis to have done what he did in the preseason makes you feel a lot better about the position. And I think, and and just to be a little bit different from you, Steve, I think from a grander standpoint as a whole, last year the Chiefs were fourth worst in the league when it came to sacking the quarterback. I think that is a thing of the past. I think they'll be 15 or better this year. I already feel that way about the defensive line, and I just don't think we really knew that going into the preseason and training camp. Well, it's, I think this is just an example of how powerful expectations and perceptions can be. Not too many draft analysts thought much of Karloftis. They, you know, he's just a guy that could go in the first round just because there's all these other really good guys up in front of him. This guy's just got a lot of motor and, you know, want to blah, blah, blah. Well, the Chiefs didn't see him that way. I think maybe the Chiefs wanted him all along. That's the way Spagnuolo talked when he finally had an opportunity to speak about him. Now, you know, I think there's a lot of fans would say that if Spagnuolo likes him, that's a bad thing. (laughs) But but I don't see it that way. I I, I like it when the team gets uh, the players that they'd really like to have. And I think they considered it uh, uh, fortunate 
that it played out that they could get not only McDuffie, a player that they didn't even think they'd have a chance to get, and the guy they wanted at 30. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I think the perception has kind of gotten in the way that, that maybe he was just, you know, some guy they were able to get uh, that it might be that they what this is really the guy they wanted and it might turn out working out really well. Yeah, that Spags had that call the night of, and he was like, George, we we definitely wanted you right from the get-go here. So happy you follow us and it worked out. Don't worry where you were picked. We have a row for you. And I think that was honest. As, as much as like you got to take these things with a grain of salt, like yeah, I think yeah. it was honest of, of this, was, maybe not the target, but certainly one of the targets that they mm-hmm. wanted to follow to them. And there was a little bit of that collect collective gripe of, of folks who follow the draft and watch it from a Kansas City perspective. But I I think so far so good. The preseason really couldn't have gone any better when it comes right. comes to George Carlos. Right. And that's the big thing. All right, John, we'll go back to you for another marinated takeaway. Um, you know, I've said many times on this show and elsewhere that the Chiefs love Andrew Wiley. They love the 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 attitude that he brings, his versatility, so on and so forth. And I'm just really pleased that he's been able to hang on to this right tackle job. Now, you know, he might not have been able to. If uh, Lucas Niang was fully recovered, he would have been in the mix and maybe he would have won the job. But Wiley, I think, really showed last year that, you know, maybe he's not the greatest right tackle in the NFL, but he made big strides and was playing competently at the end of the season. And I think there's no reason to expect that he won't make another step forward this year because the chiefs love the guy and coaches don't tend to fall in love with guys that aren't capable of improving their games. That's just a fact. Okay. Uh, Yeah. It doesn't always happen. Sometimes coaches will fall in love with a guy and he doesn't really get any better, but if they love the guy, it's for a specific reason or a specific set of reasons that actually uh, will allow them to get better as players. And I think that's what's going on with Wiley. So I'm kind of excited about this. I don't expect him to be an all pro. Let's just mm-hmm. put that right out there. But I think we're going to see an improvement in his play and he'll be more than competent in the coming season. This thing was a real battle and they were not going to guarantee that Andrew Wiley was going to get this position. They had him earn it. Jaron Christian mixed in with the top team. We did see Roderick Johnson before he was released mixing in with the top team. We thought that Darren Kennard would be a better challenge to Wiley, but yeah. Kennard could never play well enough to even get a crack mixing in. And so Andrew Wiley beat out what was a couple options, the the field, so to speak. I think Prince Tegawanogo could be another guy that, that could yeah. be in that mix as well. But you're right. Kudos to, to him for winning the job. And this was actually something I asked Andy Reid about still when we were in St. Joe and Reid was like, look, he didn't listen to the noise because there was a lot of noise of like yeah. Wiley's jobs up for grabs. And, we created some of it, but it was real. It was a real battle that he ended up winning and, and being able to, to stay in his job. So kudos to uh, Wiley. Uh, Steve, let's go to you. I know there's been a little bit of rumbling uh, about Sky Moore and his lack of explosive plays in the preseason, even though I think that Sky Moore looked fantastic in the limited action that we saw him in the preseason, despite not really connecting on some of these big plays. But there was two deep shots that we saw against Washington and then against the Green Bay Packers. One fantastic play by former chief Kendall Fuller to get in front of the football. But it was a perfect ball from Mahomes to Sky Moore that would have been an easy touchdown. And then the second one was against the Packers where he was able to draw a pass interference flag because he just had such a nice release off the line of scrimmage. We're going to see some of those deep shots connect on Sky Moore. And a lot's been made about the way they can utilize him out of the backfield and, and the way they're going to try to kind of pepper him in and sprinkle him in in some of those Tyree Kill-esque plays. But I loved that we saw he can get deep down the football field, mm-hmm. and I can't yeah. wait for that to happen in the season because Patrick Mahomes is going to hit some of those. And we've already seen – that he's capable of beating you right off the line of scrimmage. And so I think we're underestimating how, how big of a deep threat Sky Moore can be this year. Well, I, I think he'll, he'll be a deep threat, and I, I think you're going to get a handful of those opportunities per game where Moore is going to have an orchestrated touch, You know, be it out of the backfield or be it, be it a play downfield. You're right about the releases. Those have been impressive. I think it's important to keep mm-hmm. in mind, too, though, yeah. 
that they're running more at punt returner. So to me, that's always going to be a guy that is mixed in here and there. But if you're mixed in here and there, and I've said this before, but if you put out undeniable film, then all of a sudden you're making the Chiefs use you more on offense. Mm-hmm. And right. we saw that early on in the trajectory of Tyree Kill, right? Like at the beginning of that year, when they started using Hill, he was basically a returner using him here and there. By the end of the year, they were like, we have to have him on offense. He's too good. So that same type of thing could happen for more. And I, I think we did see that potential during the preseason. Well, I, I loved how uh, he, you know, the Chiefs, Dave Tobe said all along that they wanted Sky Moore to win that punt return job. And then uh, in the third preseason game, he just validated right. uh, that thing that they wanted is like, you know, turning in that big return. And, you know, at that, I turned to Terry at that point. I said, well, he just won that punt returner job right there because they obviously wanted him to get it. And uh, with a return like that in the third preseason game, you know, you can write that in ink that he's going to be the punt returner. So, um, no, I agree with you, Steve. I, I think that uh, he showed that he's capable of, of being a guy that can make a difference in certain plays. And I think we're going to see a, re- a repeat of what they did with first with Tyreek Hill and then with McCole Hardman. Uh, where they uh, get primarily used on punt returns and get slowly get worked into the offense. And we're going to see some big plays. I agree. Uh, my final marinated takeaway, and maybe this is, a, I consider it to be a layup. Patrick Mahomes is a winning most valuable player. He just looks <laughs> better somehow. Yeah. And he has in previous years. I mean, we only got to see him for three drives. Every drive ended up in a touchdown, throwing to several different receivers, really you could see there's no pressure anymore to feel like he has to get the ball to anybody. And I think we're, we're seeing the real character of Tyree kill now in the news. We're not even going to talk about that actual story, but I'll just say we're getting a sense of maybe there was some stuff in the locker room in previous years of Tyree kill wanting the ball, even though he was getting what 160 targets, some odd targets uh, a game. And I, I don't think Travis Kelsey, who would be the only other player right now on the Chiefs that would have a, an argument for something like that. I don't think Travis Kelsey's doing that anymore. I think Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. truly just wants to be, uh, obviously, a key part of this team, but he just wants to win championships. And I, I mm-hmm. think that's real. He's already proven that he's one of the best tight ends ever, if not the best tight end ever, behind Gronkowski, whatever you want to say. Certainly in Kansas City, Tony Gonzalez is here. And I know a lot of people say that uh, Gonzalez is a Falcon. That's another story for another day. What I tell you is... Mahomes is distributing the football, as Eric Bieniemy said, but he's playing loose. And I just think they're going to set Arizona on fire. Like they're going to go down to Arizona and they're going to beat them into the ground offensively. Like I wouldn't be stunned if they put up a 50 burger because you could just tell Mahomes has heard the noise. This is someone who, who watches this stuff and he, mm-hmm. and he you know, he sees yeah. the NFL top 100. He sees these people on first take talking about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Tom Brady still and and how he's in a way fallen out of that no doubt number one quarterback in the league uh, mentioned by you know or consensus by everyone that analyzes the league and he looked better he looked better in the preseason and that there's a reason he you know besides the Len Dawson tribute he didn't play in the final preseason game and I just think it's Mahomes setting the world on fire in 2022 like that 50 touchdown 5,000 yard first season uh, seems reasonable right now based upon what, what we saw in the preseason. Well, it's nice to be an optimist. And Pete, you're definitely being an optimist, but I think it's grounded in some some real stuff there. I, I agree. I, I think he looked fantastic when he was on the field in the preseason. The snaps were limited. But I just don't know how you could have asked him to be any better mm-hmm. and show any more of the things that we wanted to see from him um, in this off season that he's spreading the ball around and finding chemistry with these new faces. You know, he didn't really even get much of an opportunity to show that with Juju, but, uh, they showed it in practice, you know? And, uh, so I, I think that, you know, they did everything right. They let him conduct his own little off season thing down in Texas which I think uh, they're going to look back on that and say, Patrick Mahomes is going to do this every year, (laughs) no matter the circumstances, you know? Uh, And I think we're going to see other quarterbacks do it. They're going to copy that because I think it really showed a lot of benefit to the, these, these new faces the chiefs had. And uh, so I agree, Pete, I I think this is, this could be another year where Mahomes is just going to kill everybody. That's 
you know how I know he's going to win MVP this year? He got named number eight on the NFL top one. <laughs> it's got to get his it's fingers like ready. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Counting up. But I tell you, and uh, sports betting becomes legal in Kansas City, I believe a week from Thursday, right? Or no, on this Thursday. Get, get your MVP bet in before the Arizona game because I think we could wake up on that Monday after week one and Mahomes is going to be the favorite again and it's not going to be different the rest of the year. So if you want your value on your sports betting, go get Mahomes because, I mean, I think he could throw five touchdowns against Arizona. So we will see. Those are our marinated takeaways for training camp in the preseason. We're going to say bye to Steve, who is going to go back behind the glass now as we get ready to talk about the 53-man cut and preview that with our projection 3.0. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. Thank you to Steve for being on for some juicy training camp and preseason marinated takeaways. This is just the beginning, as you know, of the marination. As we get to games during the regular season, we will have marinated takeaways for each and every game. We have a new day Monday uh, for, for this show, so we'll cover everything that we learned from Andy Reid on that Monday and then share the marinated takeaways with you. But right now, we are getting ready for the Chiefs' 53-man roster deadline. That happens uh, Tuesday at 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. And just last week, we dropped our roster projection, the third roster projection in August, and this is our final one now that the roster has been cut down to, at the time, it was 80. It is 75. John, even though the roster was cut down to 75, all of our players on our projection 3.0 are still on the team. So we still have a, an opportunity mm-hmm. here to, yep. to maybe nail this and be 100% <laughs> right. There's no percentage of players that are gone. But let's go through this quickly. And, John, why don't you fill in or, or, or chime in if you feel maybe that you disagree with something. Okay. So quarterbacks, we are keeping three, which is different from my first two projections. I have Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Henny and then Shane Bouchelle. And as I was going through this, I, for the first two, I, I felt like, okay, even though Shane Bouchelle was a player that was someone, a target of another team last year of those Arizona Cardinals who tried to poach him as they were dealing with injuries to Kyler Murray and some of their other quarterbacks, I thought, okay, you know what? Like maybe Bouchelle can, can sneak onto the practice squad. And then he had his preseason game. And very clearly is the player who can be a backup in the NFL. And I don't know if there's 32 of those, right? If a right. you feel really good about. Mm-hmm. And so I watched him. I saw him in person. I mean, the guy was slinging it, slinging chain all over the field. And I said to myself, they're going to have to keep him. I don't think they have yeah. a choice here. And so I, I think Bouchelle ends up making the initial roster, John. Yeah, I agree. And, and largely that's because of the game he put on tape on friday i wasn't mm-hmm. so i wasn't as sure about it when we talked about your projection you know we'll pull a curtain back a little bit yeah when pete does these we have a little conference on our on our slack channel i just like discuss. to hear yeah, yeah i just like to hear yeah. if there are any flags if we're missing something yeah, right and it's yeah. good it's good pete, good feedback pete makes the decision but we all give him our our input on it and you're and like I'm, I'm Brett Veach and you're Mike Berganzi. And I'm like, right, right exactly, Mike, Mike, exactly. I understand what you're saying, but look, yeah, I mean, he's a GM, much better dresser than I am, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, it has the same kind of a role there. Mm-hmm, but right. uh, but yeah, I wasn't so sure about it. But after that game on Friday, I, I, I excuse me, on Thursday, 
I'm all in. I think they're going to have to hang on to him. And I think he's the guy they want to develop going forward. And that means uh, a roster spot this year. Right. And I, I don't think I would have any pause. Like you don't want to see this, right? But I don't think I'd have any pause if if Shane Bouchelle had to start a spot start game. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a reason to to keep him around. And if it were to be a Mahomes injury, it would be Henny, and then Bouchelle would become the backup. And I also think that Bouchelle's going to be the backup in 2023. And that's a way too early prediction. And yeah, mm-hmm. but keeping keeping him here it would be key. You got to look out for teams like Arizona to try to claim him. Maybe even a New York Giants with Mike mm-hmm. Kafka as the offensive coordinator. All right, running backs. We already talked about Ronald Jones and why he's someone to watch. Uh, we only have three here. I don't think we need to talk about this too much because do you understand why we're keeping these players? Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Jarek McKinnon, and Isaiah Pacheco. It's worth noting we so that the Fleet Davis has been waived and Derek Gore has been released too. So he was on injured reserve for for a second there, and which would have ended the season. But the Chiefs came to an injury settlement, making him a free agent. We tend to think Gore will be back in Kansas City mm-hmm. on the practice squad when yep. he heals his fractured thumb. But in the meantime, the Chiefs have said, well, let's let's have that roster spot available so we can figure this thing out. And it could be one of those handshake things. So stay tuned to see if Derek mm-hmm. Gore is, is back on the practice squad. But this, to me, Edwards, Alaire, McKinnon, Pacheco feels like a no-brainer at this point. We, yeah. we, we don't Agreed. think that Ronald Jones will be here no matter what. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens with Jones. Fullbacks, we don't have to spend a lot of time on. My guy, Andy Reid, just loves him a fullback. So Mike Burton will forever have a spot. Wide receivers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, McCole Hardman, Sky Moore, Justin Watson. I think those five are right. Mm-hmm. I could see the Chiefs not keeping my final receiver. Do you have any argument against Darius Fountain as a sixth receiver, John? Only on the return game. Um, Corey I think Coleman Corey- looked good. Yeah, Sam. he looked good in the return game uh, in limited opportunities, specifically on uh, on the Thursday's game. But, you you know, I said in our conversation the other day, I think it's really easy for us to overvalue what we see in that third preseason game. The, lar- the roster decisions have largely been made at that point, uh, which is why I referred to Sky Moore's punt return as validation as opposed to, um, you know, making the decision for them. Um, so I think you're probably right, but if, if, if it's, if it's somebody else, I think Corey Coleman might be there on the basis of, uh, the return ability. Could be, uh, that's, I mean, fountain to me is one of those spots where I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going on what I've seen. And I, I think the offensive upside in that final game did help fountain, but if the chiefs like pal or I'm sorry, Coleman as a, a returner, then we could see mm-hmm. what happens there. Sad ending for Josh Gordon. I think there was high hopes yeah. for Gordon here. Came in the middle of last year, had a had a catch or two, but you know, just never really came to fruition. They thought, okay, let's keep him here in the offseason. It's just he's not one of the six best receivers on the team. And you know, when the writing's on the wall, the writing's on the wall. I don't even think he makes the practice squad. All right, the tight ends, Travis Kelsey, Jody Fortson, Noah Gray, Blake Bell. You're probably saying, Pete, why are you keeping Bell, you idiot? He's injured. Well, they need to keep Blake Bell on the initial roster to get him on the temporary IR. He had hip surgery, and I, I tend to think the Chiefs think he can come back during the year. So if he's going to be on this designated to return IR, he has to make the initial 53-man roster, and I think he does. Uh, and then he's quickly moved to IR, uh, which I can explain in one second. John, do you have any disagreement on the tight ends? No, I no, I agree. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that's where the offensive lineman comes in. I think Austin Ryder gets released. And then once Bell is on IR designated to return, I think he's added to the team. He's part of uh, what will be nine offensive linemen, including Orlando Brown Jr., Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Andrew Wiley. And then I have Jaron Christian, Nick Allegretti, and Prince Tega Winogo. Again, Ryder added in the back end of that room. Yeah, uh, I think we'll see uh, Darian Kennard on the practice squad. I don't think he's shown enough uh, in the preseason to be picked up on waivers by another team. I think the Chiefs would like to look at him again uh, through this season in practice. They've got to be honest with each other, and we'll see if Kennard can make it back on the practice squad. I tend to think he can. Remember, Cornell Powell was a fifth-rounder, too, and I think right. some people thought that Powell might get claimed he wasn't. It's tough to, to, to claim him because if you claim him, he's got to be on the 53 for right. a given team. And I just right. don't think he's good enough to be on the 53 for any of the team. And I think what will be interesting is if we show up to training camp next year, John, and he's working at guard. You know, right. I, I think the Chiefs wanted to give him an opportunity to, to play tackle. I think they saw 
what what happened with that and i think they're going to say to him i you know if you want to be a guy in the nfl let's work yet guard and see what you can do maybe next year for us so we'll see what happens with darian Kennard. all right let's flip to the defense defensive tackles i have Chris Jones, Derek Nottie, Turk Wharton, Colin Saunders, Danny Shelton. I said goodbye to what would be Taylor Stallworth. I think Shelton signing with the Chiefs late was the worst possible thing to happen to Stallworth. And you combine that with Colin Saunders really having a nice training camp in preseason. And it's just mm-hmm. a numbers game uh, where you say goodbye to Stallworth. Do you disagree, John? Uh, no, I, I think they brought uh, I think they brought Shelton in because they wanted him to play. I, I don't think that was just you know let's try this guy out and see. I think they saw the opportunity and took it. I think you I think you put it as uh, one of those guys. I think was the way you put it in an article, and I, I agree. I think he came here to play, uh, so I can't really argue with with that at all. Don't forget, there were three other teams interested. I don't have the team yeah. in front of me, but mm-hmm. it came down to the Chiefs and Jaguars. And when you have a couple of teams interested, usually that's the guy that's making your team. Yeah. The defensive ends, Frank Clark, George Karloftis, Mike Dana, Carlos Dunlap, and Malik Herring. And here I said goodbye to Josh Kando. And this is something I noted in the article. I really think it can go either way with this. It just depends on who the Chiefs like more. I personally think that Herring has showed more, so I kept him here, but I wouldn't be stunned if it's Kando with Herring maybe trying to be somebody that they sneak onto their practice squad. I well. completely yeah. agree with you there. Yeah. I mean, I think they they wanted they saw something in Herring last year. And yeah. so some of this may be preconceived notions on their part, but uh, you know, at least they've confirmed it in some way. I, I think you're right. I think that's the play, the way it'll play out. Keeping five linebackers, I got Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Elijah Lee, Darius Harris, and Leo Chanel. And for me, I just tend to think that Jermaine Carter, despite being owed $1.7 million, has yeah. not shown enough for the roster spot. So sometimes you you have to make these tough decisions. This could be wrong as well, because sometimes when you're paying a guy even $1.7 million and you guaranteed it, you got to keep him on the roster. Would I be stunned if he makes it somehow? I wouldn't be, but then I'd be like, well, who gets cut instead? Of right. Him? Yeah. And it's not going to be in the linebacker room. So then you know, you're getting a little bit dicey with numbers there. So I wonder what happens with Jermaine Carter. Uh, Elijah Lee has, has been someone who has, has taken um, the, the uh, Sam based reps. And then Darius Harris has been the backup Mike. And so uh, Leo Chanel, of course, is a draft pick and he has flashed uh, as far as rundowns go during preseason. So, uh, that's your linebacker room. But again, I wouldn't be stunned if Carter somehow is squeaked onto this team. Quarterback. I don't think so. Yeah, I think he's I think he's gone. I think I think Darius Harris is the guy who earned the spot is what I think. And so if they have to pay a little extra money to send Carter packing, I think they will. And I, I'm, I don't kill the Chiefs for spending the money because this is a player who started 17 games last year yeah. for mm-hmm. the Panthers. And yeah, and just right. Well, I agree. Has not been among the best five linebackers on the Chiefs. All right, let's go to the defensive back room. I got six cornerbacks and four safeties. To me, the cornerbacks are Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Rashad Fenton, Joshua Williams, and Jalen Watson. They are locks for the team. Uh, as far as safeties, Justin Reed, Juan Thornhill, Brian Cook are locks for this team. The sixth cornerback I have is Chris Lamans. The fourth safety I have is Dion Bush. And the reason I'm lumping them together is because these are Dave tobe picks mm-hmm. and they're not really the most sexy picks especially when it comes to defensive side of the football but they're to me guys that the chiefs need to fill what is a big void on special teams they lost a lot of special teamers including armani watts mm-hmm. and, and dorian yep. daniel uh, dave tobe compared Dion bush to armani watts i think chris lamans has just done a good enough job when it comes to special teams that he's your your sixth cornerback now that could go to dicaprio boodle who's been the backup nickel it could also um, go to who am I thinking of? Uh, not to Caprio Boodle. Oh, the the rookie Nazi Johnson would be the other mm-hmm. option if you're going to keep yeah. a, a cornerback in step. I just think it's going to be Lamont's. Yeah, and I think this is a, an example here of you know Dave Tobe was very high on Zane Anderson last year. He got on the nerves of a lot of fans with that mm-hmm. one special teams play, but he's a rookie. Rookies are going to make mistakes, and Tobe remained very high on Anderson but I don't think he's going to make this team this year. And that's a result of uh, the chiefs expending so much draft capital on these defensive backs. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be hard for players like Anderson and Devin key, for example, uh, who probably went into this, this off season thinking, Hmm, I got a chance to maybe mm-hmm. get someplace with the chiefs. And now they're going to be out in the cold. And I, I think you've got the, I think you have this figured right. And I, I think we also also have to say, that every season, 
Dave Tobe makes a point of saying that nobody gets on this team strictly on the basis of special team skills. Mm-hmm. That that is a determining factor because the Chiefs care about that, but they still have to be players who can make plays on the field. And I and I think that uh, Lamont's in particular showed that in the third preseason game. Perhaps this would be another case where the the team validated the decision they already made, but uh, but he he showed something on defense in this third game on Thursday, and that probably locked him up in that sixth cornerback position. Yeah. You could you could say on the other side for Dion Bush, and that that's where it gets interesting. And you'll have these conversations that are going inside the the Chiefs facility of like Dion Bush did not look great defensively. <laughs> he just didn't. Uh, the rookie cornerbacks could have had a couple plays back as well in this final game, but uh, I think given the information that we do have, I think this is the closest we can possibly get. Uh, Harrison Buckers, your kicker. Tommy Towns, your punter. Long snappers, James Winchester. They have no competition, so they are locked in as well, and that makes. A 53-man roster. We're not going to be right. Uh, we're not going to be completely yeah. right about this. So we'll see how it goes. Again, that'll happen Tuesday at 3 p.m. Arrowhead time. So we did the news. We did our marinated takeaways. And there's your 53-man roster projection. If you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, please leave us a rating and a review. It's the season, right? So we are going to be only ramping up our shows even more from the podium, the Arrowhead Drive. That stuff should be on the way back soon. Look out for a 53-man roster emergency podcast sometime tomorrow as well. And please, please, please rate us on both Spotify and Apple iTunes. For Steve Serta and John Dixon, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.